listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast, Tuesday the 5th of March. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you had a lovely weekend. Uh, on today's podcast, good one in front of us. Lots of th- lots of things to get uh, through. First off, we're going to start off with a bit of news. A bit of a topical theme there for Put the Mockers on it. And with today, the main segment is going to be looking at some fantasy risers and fallers a bit early on, I know. But we haven't really done much fantasy recently, so I thought we'd uh, change it up a bit, change the pace. Uh, we'll have the quiz as usual, and today it's Duncan from Gridiron Gents putting his knowledge to the test, and then a little bit of a surprise towards the end, which I won't divulge just yet. But alongside me, as he always is, is Lee. Lee, how was your weekend? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, really good. Uh, watching the combine for most of it, so yeah, in my element. A big win for the uh, for Leeds United as well. Absolutely, yeah, definitely big win in, in all senses of the word. Absolutely, um, and I say uh, that. Uh, Nice little interview we've got lined up for you a bit later on in the podcast, Lee. Which you uh, you, you had the uh, the honours of doing. We won't we won't divulge what it is just yet. But uh, yeah, you, you met a fellow Leeds. You spoke to a fellow Leeds fan, shall we say? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and that obviously won't give it away very much either because I doubt not very many people know that that is uh, the affiliation this gentleman has. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how about Ooh. that? How about that for a tease? Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll we'll get into it. a bit of news to get through. Uh, I'm going to start off with a rant just because I haven't done one for a while. To be fair, so uh, I, you know I'm I'm due one. Uh, it's a bit topical in turn, in the sense of you know we're going to be going through some of the players that have been franchise tagged over the last couple of days. Um, but firstly, Jason Wynn has come out of the booth and is back with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, signing. I think it was, was that one year deal. I think and you know I think with the incentives can be can be a deal worth uh, five million dollars. Um, I mean. Dallas Cowboys, WYD. I mean, absolutely, absolutely ludicrous. I mean, how do you expect the the team to progress? And the Titans that we had there, you know, Jeff Swain is getting on a bit and had a bit of injuries. But you've got Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin there, who, given given the chance, you know, could do something in their second and third season. Why why are you bringing Jason Witten back to to the team? And I understand it might be a, a gateway into to, into doing coaching, but absolutely. Absolutely ludicrous. Just when you think Dallas Cowboys have turned the corner, making all the right moves, um, they then they just go and throw that that fly in the ointment. Not happy, Lee. Absolutely not happy. No, I can tell. This is actually you touched on a point I actually tweeted out after once I heard the news is that you know what does it mean for people like Dalton Schultz and Blake Darwin? Mm. You know, it's not exactly the, the best message to send out to them, is it? I mean, they're not like you know the most explosive or the best tight ends, but, you know, you bring in back someone, you know, from the booth. Although I will say one thing about this, on the booth, this uh, re-sign of Jason Garrett did bring Steve Smith right back with a great line. <laughs> did you see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a great line. For anyone who's not, who's not uh, had the pleasure, he, he said, uh, he was asked about, you know, potentially, would he go back, you know, playing on the field and stuff like that? He, he said, no. In true Steve Smith fashion, I might add, he said, "No, I'm actually good on TV." Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very good. I did, I did, I did enjoy that. Um, yeah, bit, bit annoying. Um, say he's just gonna, he's just gonna block on us. He's like, was it 16th season? Yeah, he's done a lot for the franchise over the years, obviously with Romo, that great connection. But um, you, you don't go back to a lit firework, do you? No, you don't. Uh, there's a lot of like cliches that we could say about that, but no, I think it's a poor move. Obviously, you agree. 
No, absolutely not. But uh, we shall see. I mean, another thing that's really annoying me, there's been talk this off-season that they're going to extend Dak. And for anyone that's listened to the NFC East podcast yesterday, uh, if you haven't, go and check it out. But I spoke with, obviously, Patrick about... Um, you know, plans for the Cowboys, and he was saying about you know Dak Prescott shouldn't be extended until next season. Um, but there's there's talk that they're going to do that as well. I mean, they're, they're mucking around with Demarcus Lawrence. Just get the guy paid. And they're, they're, Demarcus Lawrence, I think there's a report out today saying that they're not even close with the Cowboys in terms of where they're where they are in terms of uh, you know, contract extensions. Just stop mucking about and just you know get get Demarcus Lawrence, who's one of the best players on in the free agency list. Uh, get him signed to a long term deal. You know, you put him on a franchise tag last year to say, you know, prove prove your worth, and did it, and then you slap another one on there. Now I know they've got till July, July the fifteenth to to sort of deal it out, but you know, if they're if they're this far away now, it's going to be uh, it's going to be touch and go whether or not um, the, the Cowboys are going to screw it up. And I I will not not forgive the, the Jerry Jones and, and all the all the yeah, all the cronies back there if they if they screw that one up but uh, we shall we shall wait and see fingers still crossed on that one but i thought we were we're past that with all the um, bone idle decisions over there in dallas but we'll move on that was my couple of minute rant um happy yeah. happy with that um yeah just so maybe should we just gloss over some of the guys that have been been tagged lee yeah let's, let's, let's just do a little bit of a rundown for everyone um okay so we start off obviously you had Demarcus Lawrence was was one that was was tagged. You've got Je- uh, Jennifer Clowney, uh, Frank Clark of the Seahawks as well. Grady Jarrett with the uh, with the Falcons. D Ford as well, interesting one here, Kansas City. Uh, D Ford, we spoke about him last week on the on the free agency uh, mm-hmm. kind of show. The report out today saying that they might trade him for a second league. Bit surprised. Uh, a little bit. I did. Just, I might be wrong in this, but I think I read a couple of weeks ago, or maybe maybe last time that ago, that Kansas City is switching to a four three. Uh, and he he's not great with his hand in the dirt, so uh, maybe that's the reason behind it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe interesting. Obviously, he's one of the star players in the, in the uh, should we say, uh, not not the great defense of Kansas City last season, but obviously he uh, he made a name for himself there on that line. But one guy who's not getting tagged, Lee Landon Collins of the New York Giants. Yeah, very strange on this. Uh, I saw this one earlier when I was coming home from work, but yeah, it's a weird one. Uh, Twenty five years old, been small for Pro Bowls. Fan favourite, you know, leader of the defence, you know, like you say, 25 years old, coming into his prime. Uh, and yeah, just not being offered the franchise tag for a bad team. It's not as though they've got a, you know, yeah, they've got to pay a few people, but, you know, they've got a few people who are expendable who are on a quite a lot of money, uh, you know, not pointing to anyone specific, maybe the starting quarterback, never mind. But um, yeah, so, you know, it's a bit of a weird one for, mm. for New York, I think. I don't understand why they're not doing it. Mm. Um I've seen a little bit of uh, you know a few Chargers fans say that they won't mind him. I'm, I'm against that. I think it's a bit similar to doing James. He's not a free safety. I think he'd be wasting one or both, hmm. uh, putting them out of out of position. But uh, yeah, no, he'll, he'll certainly go to somewhere, and somewhere he'll they'll do a great job. I'm sure. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Any other free any, any other tags that you want to mention? No, I think you pretty much covered all the main ones. Um, like you say, uh, just going off the, onto your rant, just circling back to that. Yeah, they've just, the Dallas have just got a pay the man for want of a better phrase mm. um, yeah he needs, he needs to be paid like he, he is and that's but he's at the moment the best free agent on the market in my opinion mm. and one of the better pass rushers in the league yeah. and you know it's one of the four key positions that I always talk about and if you've got a good one you need to lock them up yeah. and I know, I know this is the first season prior to the Jason Witten signing that this was the first season that we didn't have Des Bryant Tony Ramo and Jason Witten on the books maybe that was because that they they have had withdrawal symptoms and that's maybe why they re-signed Jason Witten <laughs> yeah perhaps I don't know I, I don't really see the logic behind that nor, nor do I see 
the logic behind not just giving Jamal Florence what he wants straight away. Uh, or, or, as we just mentioned, I don't understand the logic between uh, not franchise tagging or giving uh, Landon Collins a decent deal. Yeah. I mean, and also, if we if the Cowboys are paying Jason Witten three and a half million, goodness, how much you know if you uh, yeah put put that to what Demarcus Lawrence is worth, you, I don't think there's enough numbers in the bank balance to 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 pay Demarcus Lawrence. But yeah, we we shall see. Uh, finally, uh, I just wanted to mention Lee, uh, you know, report out that Antonio Brown has uh, a couple of suitors: the Denver Broncos, mm. the Arizona Cardinals, and the uh, Oakland Raiders. Not a uh, not a inspiring list, there is it. Uh, no, not, not particularly. I'm sure he's sort of, uh, would imagine that he'd have more uh, glamorous, maybe, uh, teams looking after him, uh, looking out for him, should I say. Um, but obviously a couple of AFC West teams on that list, so could be interesting times ahead. Although, to be fair, in the times that, uh, in recent memory, when the Steelers and the Chargers have played, we've looked after Antonio Brown pretty well, actually. So I'm not too concerned if he does end up in Oakland or in Denver. Mm. Yeah, and I'll just put this out there now, just very quietly, just as a kind of a placeholder, just so I can say maybe a couple of months' time, uh, or you know, this time next season, about the Raiders. I told you so. I tell you what, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and uh, three first-round picks over there in Oakland. I tell you what, stranger things have happened, but we shall. Uh, we we there shall. Was there was that report that came out yesterday, wasn't that the Jets are, uh, you know, almost runaway favourites to sign Bell at the moment. Runaway favourites, pun intended. Like it. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, and of course, that would make me quite happy. As I was saying uh, last Tuesday, that you know it makes me look quite clever if he does end up there. Cause I've been saying it for months. Yeah, I'm sure that will uh, whet the appetite of all the Jets fans that are listening out there. I'm talking of whet our appetites, it's of course Pancake Day today. Happy Pancake Day to all of you listeners out there. Although if you're listening to this on Wednesday, that makes no sense whatsoever. But uh, I, I thought Lee would go with a bit of a topical theme on put the mockers on it for uh, for this week. Um, I was thinking, you know, pan- it is Pancake Day. Maybe just do uh, pancake toppings. So if you if you had the number one overall draft pick in pancake toppings, what would you go for? Are you a pancake fan? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do eat pancakes. Um, I go for, I go for blueberries. I really like blueberries. I go for the, go for the sweet and the fruit uh, tanginess of the blueberries. They're my favourite topping. Blueberry, nah, I can't, can't be having that myself. I am more of a uh, lemon and sugar person myself. I'm, I'm not a really bit a big uh, pancake fan. I know there'd be plenty of people out there, but uh, yeah, just not for me. Just too feels too rubbery for me, and yeah, don't, like, don't tend to like things like that. I'm not really a pastry person and that kind of stuff either. So yeah, but there we go. Let us know what you listeners out there like on your pancakes. If you had the number one overall draft pick uh, for pancake toppings, what would you go for at full ten yards over there on the Twitter? Um, we shall move swiftly on, Lee, uh, to the main segment of the podcast, uh, Fantasy Risers and Fallers. Now, like I say, we haven't done anything fantasy-related for a little while, and I know it's the off-season, and fantasy season is a good six months away, I mean, maybe even a bit more than that. But I thought, you know, let's let's take a little stock of, you know, the storylines from last season and, and what we can expect the landscape to maybe look like come September and or August and September in draft season. Um, but just before we go into each of those positions, just want to, a couple of traits I kind of I've written down uh, on you know people that are going to be moving up, people that are going to be moving down. What's that? The common themes. So um, you know people that are going to be moving up the uh, up the ADP, if you like, average draft positions between last year and this year. You know, it's people that have moved up their depth charts. It's people that maybe are running backs that are now established as three down backs. You know, rookies that are now in their second years where we know and can quantify what they can can do or have done 
Um, but also, you know, I think the big thing over the off season is is the coaches speak, isn't it? And that's something that you know you don't want to kind of fall in the trap door of. You have to be a bit a bit beware of that and the, and the context behind. You know, the coaches speak saying, "Oh, this guy can do everything." Yeah, especially earlier in the year when around training camp, uh, you know, all the superlatives come out for everyone, really, and it just it just doesn't mean anything at all. You know, ex player has come back in the best shape of his life. Um, you know, ex player is ready for a bigger role, blah, 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 you know, around training camp. Yeah. It's, it's just it's just all coach speak, like you say, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget that last year's uh, off-season, one of them was uh, Devontae Booker's job to lose. And kind of look at that, look what happened. <laughs> look what happened there. So, um, pretty pretty uh, hefty loss there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. If you are if you are keeping tracks of things over the off season, especially this early on, don't don't t- pay too much attention there to coaches speak because otherwise you're in you know in dynasty startups you'll be drafting people like Devonte Booker in the fourth or fifth round and you will you will be in trouble. Um, yeah. So but people going maybe the other way through the trapdoor. Um, it's, it's people that you know maybe have burnt your fingers over last year or the year before. Uh, where you've picked them up high, and I say these are themes that go throughout the different positions here. Maybe they're off the back of a poor season. Uh, you know, age is another one. Anyone usually around thirty uh, or over thirty over the hill, people tend to try and stay away from those people. It's almost as if you know, if you're twenty nine, you're in the prime, and then when you're thirty, you get kicked to the curb, almost absolutely um, imminently. Uh, there's a couple of players that I've gone through here that that kind of applies to, but also. Uh, you know, if has the team made new acquisitions? Has someone come into the team and knocked you down the the depth chart, or you know, are you no longer you part of committee in the money back? Um, so those kind of things there, we'll see trade uh, so ADP uh, plummet uh, a couple of rounds at the very least. Uh, any any ups and downs for you, Lee, that you want to point out? Um, yeah, I think you pretty much hit most of the the main ones on the head. That's I was just throwing injuries as well, obviously picking ah, up yes. like a bad injury. Yeah. Um, or if they're, you know, coming off quite a few small injuries, like an injury proneness is kind of rearing its head. Mm. Uh, there's, there's that as well that I was thinking of. But I think, yeah, you've hit most of the nails on the head there, to be honest with you. Yeah. I will just come to one thing. Uh, as someone who's recently just turned 29, you're not, it's not, your prime is not over when you're 30. <laughs> I'm, I'm not in my last year <laughs> at the top. Yeah, well, we'll see that if you on the podcast next year. We'll see. We'll see how you're doing. Yeah, if the content is yeah. lagging next year, then yeah, I'm over the hill. See if I can sign you to it, mate. I'll have to worry about. I don't know if I'll franchise tag you, Lee. I'll, uh, <laughs> prove it. Prove it. Deal. Prove it. Deal. One year. Prove it. Deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the one that comes to mind there with injuries, obviously Doug Baldwin, he plummeted a couple of rounds, didn't he, last season uh, in, in drafts because obviously he was uh, yeah, baited to be to be a, like a, a second round pick, but obviously dropped third, fourth round with all the injury, injury niggles and his, him coming out saying he's not going to be 100% all season. So yeah, those kind of storylines pay attention to. You know, obviously this season it's going to be Todd Gurley, isn't it? Well, yeah, especially with the, the arthritis uh, diagnosis coming out yeah. over the last, uh, I don't know, weekend it came out, didn't it? I can't remember what day it was. They all blended into one because I was, like I said before, just watching the combine for most of the weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did kind of blend into one. It's like, is it Sunday when it came out? I, I don't know. Yeah, something yeah, like that. that. No, I'm, I'm just talking around subject now. But yeah, down, down there, that's going to cause uh, a few ripples, I would say. Yeah, and we'll talk, we'll talk about, just to mention on the Combine, we'll talk about that a bit later on. The winners and losers all from the Combine over the weekend. There certainly are some winners and some losers. But let's get into fantasy winners and losers, if you like, risers and fallers for in terms of draft next season. We'll start at the quarterback position, Lee. Uh, I've kind of cheated a little bit um, to, to start with. 
I've got Lamar Jackson's name down now. Obviously, he was got, he was undrafted last season. Um, but I've also got in brackets Josh Allen, again, who probably would have been uh, un, undrafted. But, yeah, the theme there is the Russian, Russian ability. Obviously, he's the, he's the cheat code at quarterback, isn't it? Um, you, you obviously get a lot more points per yardage uh, there on the ground than you do through the air. But the other thing, the other, thing, the other reason I've put Lamar Jackson is obviously, and quite a few of these players that I've I've got as the uh, the upward trend is that they're, they're fun to watch and everyone likes drafting players that they like watching. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, you know that's just it, isn't it? You just sort of naturally gravitate towards players that you like, players that you like watching, players that you think are good. Um, even if they're not. <laughs> New offense here with Todd Haley. Um, oh, wow. Sorry running, about running that. the show here in terms of the <laughs> 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 oh, Sorry about that. Um, I was just looking up some stats for one of my players and an advert started playing. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. That's fine. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, like you were saying, just, yeah, uh, you do gravitate towards players that you like. And, and yeah, Lamar Jackson's a good pick, I'd say. He's... Um, He's sort of up and coming. He's going to start the full 16 games, you know, injury permitting, which he didn't last year. And, you know, those dual threat quarterbacks always, um, they always, you know, get more points, don't they? Generally, the rule of thumb. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, obviously, as well, because Josh Allen, obviously, was a, was a QB1 over the last couple of weeks of the season. be interesting to see where Josh Allen goes in drafts this year, because I think there'll be a couple, a couple of people. I mean, these are he's, he's going to be a double-digit rounds QB, I would have thought, anyway, because most are these days. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see who maybe takes a nibble on, on Josh Allen, because I'm not quite sure uh, he'll be able to replicate his, his rushing ability. But obviously, from from going from someone that was undrafted last year, he's obviously going to skyrocket up. The other, the other, who, who have you got? Because I've got a couple here that I didn't want to cheat on, so I'll let you go just in case I've taken him. So I, we, we were just talking about coaches speak and, and things like that that people say and not buying into it, but I've actually gone for Josh Rosen. Right. Obviously, we're hearing all about Cliff Kingsbury, you know, sounding out Kyler Murray for the number one draft pick. I don't believe it for one second. And you got to think that, you know, even if he is, even if he's going to draft Kyler Murray, or the Cardinals didn't draft Kyler Murray, he's going to be starting somewhere, Josh Rosen. He's going to get traded away. So, again, you know, in year two, coming up, and even if he's on the cards, they're going to put a better O-line in front of him, they're going to get better receivers, and he's going to have a better O-pressing coordinator as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's time, it's time to start showing that talent for Josh Rose, I think. And uh, I, I still believe, you know, I still thought he was a good quarterback last year. I still think he's a good quarterback now. He's just in a bad situation last year. Uh, so, yeah, he's my riser because I don't mm. think he can get much worse. Mm. Uh, that's very true. The other the other guy I had was actually Andrew Luck. Now, he was an eighth-round pick last season, and that was Ooh. all because of the injury stuff. And, again, we, we said it a bit earlier about injuries uh, plummeting people's, you know, because Andrew Luck was a was a perennial, you know, he was easily going a couple of rounds above that. But obviously, his injury storyline, which obviously I got wrong, thinks then that he was done in the NFL. But he ended up the quarterback five last year, so you can uh, expect Andrew Luck's name to appear a bit earlier in drafts than he did last season. Just one question I've got for you, Lee. Um, not necessarily going to change between maybe now and and from from last season, but Jared Goff. So. Currently eighth or ninth round uh, kind of quarterback, which is kind of where he was being taken in some leagues last season. Yeah. But I'm just wondering your thoughts with this lack of uh, certainty around Todd Gurley. Do we do we reckon that there could be a narrative that over the off season, Jared Goff could you know there could be more points for him due to the, the lack of the running game because they've got the weapons. They do. They do have the weapons. Obviously, they have the offense as well. But oh. I think they the way they go about things in. You know, for the Rams is is that the the run 
and sets up the path. So I think we still need that that running aspect of it. And you know, if if Gurley's not hundred percent, and if he's a bit limited from now on, which hopefully he isn't, because he's a great player, um, they're still going to bring in someone who can who can do the damage on the ground. So I don't think it's going to be too different of an offense moving forward. So if you are if you're not a believer of Jared Goff, then you just want to buy him or get into him because he, you know, he, you think his uh, usage or his mm. his throwing numbers are going to go up. Then I wouldn't. I'd be a bit. I'd be a bit. Hit, uh, yeah, hold horses on that one a little bit. Yeah. Now, I just thought it was quite interesting. So I was going through the the ADP on on Fantasy Football Calculator, which we've got all of these uh, mm. from all these ADPs from from last year and this year as well. But I, thought, I just thought it was it was just quite interesting, really. Uh, just to kind of thought because it could be a bit of a narrative there and. Yeah, some people might say, oh, oh, all the points are going to go to Goff now. But and obviously, I'm, I'm going to throw the obvious one out there. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, is going to be your QB one for this season, uh, yeah, which yeah, obviously yeah. is going to be... I don't want to go too obvious, and that's that's obviously a skyrocketing from last season. Okay, uh, on the way down then, Lee, I'll start off. Um, I've gone Russell Wilson. Now, it's not so much about his ability or anything like that. He was QB nine last season, but the way that the, the, the Seattle Seahawks are being portrayed... Uh, at the moment, it was obviously a, you know, a run-first team. They were one of the most run-heavy teams last season. Um, you know, Russell Wilson only had 376 rush yards last year, uh, which was the second lowest in his career, uh, and actually had the lowest passing yards since 2013, which was his second season in the NFL. Um, so it, the, the, the signs are there that the, it's, it's kind of trending down to Russell Wilson, and I think quite a lot of people will buy into that. Um, and again, he would have been drafted a lot higher than quarterback nine in last you know, last year's drafts. Uh, also had a touchdown uh, percentage rate per throw of eight point two percent, and that's not sustainable. That's really, really, really high. It should be about half that on on average. Um, and let's not forget as well, he had a, he had a perfect quarterback rating uh, when throwing to Tyler Lockett, and that again, that's going to be surely unsustainable as well. But yeah, I think quite a lot of people will see Russell Wilson and say, oh yeah, Seattle run run first team. There's not really much. You know, Russell Wilson didn't really run much last season. And again, people could slip into the facts of, of the whole year kind of statistics, if you like, and you know temper their expectations on on Russell Wilson. He could go down a few rounds in drafts. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you've said there, to be fair. I think you've done a really good assessment there. All right, um, I've got one more, but I'll let you... Well, who have you got as a, as a trending downwards? So mine, uh, mine's Cam Newton. Mm. Uh, obviously, this is this is the guy who, when you're working through sort of the reasons for people falling, and this is the guy who I was thinking about injury-wise more than any. Obviously, we've got this rumour that he you know, he could sit out the full year. Obviously, I don't think he will. But, he's, you know, is he going to be limited? Is, is he going to miss any time? You know, is he going to be the same player when he does play? Obviously, we've seen it with with plenty of quarterbacks with shoulder injuries in the past, where you know they've 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 not been able to play to their best. Just just that's the long and short of it, to be honest with you. And that's that is uh, a big question mark over quarterbacks, obviously, especially mobile ones who play behind the iffy O lines. Which you know, that's a double check for <laughs> for Cam Newton there. Mm. You know, if, he, if he's going to remain mobile, which he is, because he. That's the way he plays. Um, he's not the greatest pocket passer in the world. He's going to absorb more hits, which obviously means he's going to absorb more hits to his shoulder, most likely. And you know, if you drafted him, if you want to draft him quite high, because you know he's one of these mobile QBs who can who can really light up at times. And then you you know you lose him for half season because his his shoulder's not right. You know, it's not not the best way to go, is it? So yeah, if I think if people have got their head screwed, I think he'll he'll be a baller. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, early early ADPs around about the uh, seventh round at the moment, according to Fancy Football Calculator. Obviously, he was a fifth or sixth round pick last season, so already maybe starting to, to drop there. Just one more before we move on to the running backs. Philip Rivers currently has a, an ADP of the fifth round. That is absolutely ludicrous. But, yeah, it seems really, really early. Mm. 
Very, um, very early. Yeah, I mean, it's a small sample size, obviously, being in the middle of uh, start of March. But, yeah, here's the QB10 last season. I just wonder if people kind of have bought into the Chargers a bit more and came, you know, warmed to, to them a little bit. And obviously Rivers, you know, has some, some highlights and um, was, he's a lot better in, in taking care of the ball uh, this season. And I think last season as well, I think the season before that, he was his normal self. But yeah, I, I wonder if that will fall. I, I'm sure it will fall because, you know, he's currently the, the fourth quarterback off the board and I'm, I'm not sure he's supposed to be that high. I know he's been over the years perennially uh, underrated because he's the guy that I've always taken in double-digit rounds. But as I was scrolling through the uh, ADP there, I thought that was actually quite interesting. Uh, but also you have to consider as well depth of the quarterback position in, in fantasy football. Yeah, no, but you you think that the the sort of more mobile quarterbacks that go ahead of him just for that dual threat, yeah, uh, you know, aspect of their game. You, you can think. I mean, Phillips is a great quarterback. Obviously, I'm not going to stay on the podcast and, and say he's not, but he's not a he's not a fantasy quarterback that you'd, you'd instantly want to get, especially early on. You might like you're a fan of him late on, aren't you? And yeah. You think that sort of, that's the sort of strategy with him? You don't. Yeah, you know you're not going to pick him before. I mean, round five. What are you doing there? You, you're still selecting running backs and wide receivers, aren't you? In round five, you're not really taking quarterbacks. Not for me, anyway. I know you're a late QB guy as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And another name I just want to throw out there as well: Tom Brady uh, will surely plummet as well as they transition transition to a more run heavy team. Any anything else at quarterback for you? Up or down? No, 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 no. That's all. I've just got I've just got up with everything. To be honest, I've been lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, we shall swiftly move on then to the running back position. Uh, I'll start off with uh, Kerryon Johnson. Uh, was a fifth round pick last season. He's currently a fifth round pick as well, but I think that will rock it up. Um, the new uh, offensive coordinator Bevel came out and said that you know he's the kind of guy. He he is going to be the guy. Uh, he's going to be excited to see what he can do from a pass catching standpoint as well. No more let go at Blunt. Uh, Theoretic has is, is been a bit on kind of on the bubble for a little bit of last couple of weeks or so. It's be interesting to see if they keep him. Um, but if you, look, if you look at actually stats last season, he actually only played 10 games and you know that averages out to about 10 points per game, you know, 854 yards, four touchdowns, uh, running about 33. But considering you know the first couple of weeks of the season didn't really get a look in because it was LeGarrette Blunt and Kieran Johnson was being actually, you know, was being being running into, to, and Kieran was learning from him. I actually, yeah, Kieran is, is a really talented guy and I, I can see him just picking up a bit of hype and being maybe selected maybe as early as the third or fourth, you know, even the third round this, this season. So um, I think he's a guy that's going to gonna skyrocket. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. I think that the Lions have got quite a good defensive line as well, which, you know, if people start looking at things, you know, later down the line, like, you know, like we said, it's very, very early. People aren't really looking into that sort of thing. But when people are sort of really uh, swatting up for their draft, in the summer, I think they'll look at things like that, and that will be one thing that stands out. And like I say, Kieran Johnson's a good running back; he's, he's fresh, uh, and yeah, so I think yeah, it's a good shout. I think he'll be taken pretty high. Yeah, and I say they're another team that have tried to be a bit more balanced, and you know, for years they've struggled to, yeah. to have decent running backs. Uh, and I'll carry on coming out last year and getting a couple of hundred yard games as well. So I think uh, he could be one that catches fire uh, towards the start of the draft season. Uh, who who do you like to trend upwards at the running back position? So a bit of a, a bit of a, it's not a star name by any means, but I think Gus Edwards is definitely one that could be on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's his job to lose in Baltimore at the moment, especially since uh, Alex Collins has been arrested. Yes. Uh, and and cut from the team, uh, and everyone but Kenneth Dixon's out of contract. And mm-hmm. to me, Baltimore aren't a team that really value the running back position a great deal. I don't see them signing mm-hmm. like a big free agent or investing in early draft pick in, in that sort of position. Because I think they, you know, the way they've gone about it in recent years, you know, 
they've had a lot of like one season ones almost at that position, um, and they just cycle through them, um, which you know might mean that Gus Edwards might be one of those. But at the end of the day, I think, like I say, it's his job to lose, and uh, you know they're going to run the ball a hell of a hell of a lot. Um, you know they're going to go with Lamar Jackson, who will be probably the best running back on the team, and then obviously you know you're going to go through through Gus Edwards a lot, I think as well. So I think yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of usage. Um, and yeah, I think he's on the rise. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see his graph, actually, with all the rumours maybe from, from draft. Because if they draft a running back, and like you say, over the years they've not invested heavily uh, heavily in or high draft capital in the running back position. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they, they kind of do there. But yeah, he's a bit of a dodgy one for me, I'm, I'll say clear personally. Uh, the only other one I wanted to, to bring up was uh, Tariq Cohen. Now, he's a guy that was going you know, last year, Eighth round, ninth round, uh, especially as well. You know, PPR was was more um, more likely to to his style of play. But like I said a couple of weeks back, in, in things to remember uh, going forward is you know, tand- where you've got tandem backfields, you know, people aren't going to be as afraid to, to draft that second running back now, um, especially if you know in PPR. Tariq Cohen, um, he's, he's currently the fifth round uh, pick at, at the moment as well. But Jordan Howard, you know, some of the trade rumours that, that are going around. Tariq Cohen's actually quite game script proof. He's He had the 24th most snaps amongst all RBs last season, which might sound like 24th is quite low down. But if you think amount of running backs that are in the league, uh, there's 30, I mean, for, for a start, there's 32 teams. And he's, a, he's part of a, a tandem there in Chicago, uh, over 1,100 yards and eight, eight touchdowns on the season. Mm. Um, yeah, I just think people people will... Remember his end. He's another one where you look at the end of season stats and you think, "Oh my, that's actually quite impressive." I need to take him a lot higher than maybe what his ADP is, and I think you'll start to see his uh, ADP rise. You know, he's a dual dual threat uh, running back. Um, he's you know he can be on the field and score from any, from any point uh, any point on the field. So I, I think he's going to be a uh, flavor flavor of the off season. Yeah, I like it. Um, I'm still on the the Bears bandwagon. I like, like the Bears still. I like Tariq Cohen a lot. Uh, another thing, just to add to what you said, then I think they're going to go with uh, sort of more formations where they have both him and Howard on the field at the same time as well. Yeah. Obviously, you've got three code who can split out wide, and that obviously gives him more value as you know, in addition to just being a, a running back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, on the downward trend, then who have you got? So on the downward trend, I, this is a bit of a different one for me because I think he'll still get taken really high, but I think it might be one if we did this exercise in twelve months' time that we're sort of. Seeing him, someone who might have burned someone's fingers can I, somewhat. Can I guess? Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. David Johnson. No, no. <laughs> Although you know, it's it's pretty similar. Yeah, pretty similar. Leonard Fournette. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's Melvin Gordon actually, which pains me. He's a Chargers fan. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think obviously he gets. He's not played a full sixteen-game season yet, and you know it's, he's going into his fifth year in the league. Um, he's just had so many injuries, and I love Melvin. He's one of my favourite Chargers, and I'm a dynasty owner of Gordon. <laughs> but you know, can you rely on him for for these for, for the 16 games that you need him for in fantasy when you are going to draft him? Let's be honest, you're going to draft him in the first or second round. Mm. Mm. You know, can you can you take a player that high? The first first round picks, you know, especially early first round picks, so valuable because obviously in the snake draft, you're not drafting for ages. You know, in the in, until the second round, so you have to get it right. And if you get one, I mean, obviously you, you might have seen. No, 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 you didn't. Have, you had David Johnson last year, didn't you? Yeah. People the year before who had David Johnson the first overall pick. Yeah. And he goes down with this wrist injury that he had, uh, and you know it screws them all up because yeah. they're not picking for the you know how many how many picks would it be? Twenty three picks, wouldn't yeah. it, or something like that? Yeah. It's a lot, and yeah, you know, if you, injuries are a big factor, uh, you know, you go through. 
you redraft leagues, you, and you know, if you pick, you could come out of your draft and look at your team and think, my God, I've got a great team here. Mm. Two or three injuries later, two or three people on IR that you're having to court, and you know, you've got a shadow of his former self kind of thing. So, yeah, I think Melvin Gordon's one of those players that, you know, because like I said, he's so uh, injury prone, it feels like, and could one that burns people's fingers on seven at the top. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my, mine's David Johnson, and I've just got here David Johnson dash uh, hyphen burnt fingers, Jason Pierre Paul, like, like Jason Pierre Paul and fireworks. So. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, like I say, number one draft pick in 2017, down for the season, uh, top five pick last year, um, where I think everyone was kind of giving him a second chance. But I think that poor offense last season kind of killed, killed him, didn't it? I, I, you know, he's I think he's a second round pick at the moment, um, and I think it's the perception, obviously, of the, the the poor, the poor offense. Despite you know, he still finished running back ten last season. But I know, I know, you didn't draft him to be at running back ten. You you've drafted him at running back four, running back five. Uh, like I say, I was an owner last season, but I I, I was still probably going again on him uh, next season just because just purely because of the price. I mean, he's a talented running back, um, one of the most ta- talented running backs in the league. It's just uh, whether or not they can. I'll be interested to see what they do draft wise. The Arizona Cardinals out on the offensive line there, and obviously again, Cliff Kingsbury. So sometimes you know new co- head coaches can can mean that players don't show the best of their ability maybe until mid midpoint of the season. So David Johnson, if whoever drafts him, and he doesn't come out of the gates fine he could uh, be a real buy low candidate in dynasty and at redraft so he was my he was my downward trend as well just one other name i want to shout out put out there devonta freeman now he is a guy obviously that was injured last season again he almost as if he's the kind of the forgotten guy let's not forget he signed a five-year contract extension uh, in 2017 i know cap wise looking at his contract he doesn't actually cost a lot to cut or do, do anything like that, but I think this is a make or break year for him. So I just wonder if Atlanta will run, in, run him into the ground. And let's not forget also, he, he was a monster in 2015, 2016, and you know, 2017 as well. And Tevin Goldman obviously is left now as well. Ito Smith's still hanging around. It'll be interesting to see what they do in free agency or the draft in, in terms of running back. But I think Devonta Freeman has all the makings of... You know, despite injury stuff, all the makings of a, of a really good fantasy season. So I'm quite happy. He's a really buy-low candidate for me. Okay. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, like you say, with some of the less crowded um, backfield now with Coleman, mm. who, to be fair to himself, he could be, a, he could be a, a candidate for a riser if he sort of gets a number one job somewhere mm. and really takes that by the scruff of the neck. He's a good running back himself. Yeah, he could be a yeah. Be interesting to see where that one ends up. Um, okay, let's move on to wide receiver position. Uh, I'll start us off. Uh, the obvious one's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster, isn't it? Um, he was, you know, he's a second round pick at the moment. He was a fourth round pick last season, according to a fantasy football calculator. But now we've got no Antonio Brown, uh, and even when he was in the team, he was the wide receiver eight in PPR with wide receiver nine in standard scoring. So. Um, again, he's another one that people are excited to watch and has kind of has that connection with the fans, doesn't he, with his computer games and his social media. So, again, he's he's a candidate that people will draft him because, you know, everyone knows when he's had a good week. And you, it's, it's almost like the peacock stance, isn't it? You put your feathers out and show, you know, I've got Juju Smith-Schuster. He's one of, one of the people. He's one of us. Um, so he's he's going to be going really high. And I, I, I dread to think in some, in some leagues he'll go in the first round this season. Yeah, no, he, he was mine, actually. Mm. Um like you say, just for the reason that you said, there's no AB, he's going to be in the future number one. I can kind of already hear people say that obviously that means he's being channeled by number one cornerbacks everywhere he goes. I don't think it's actually going to be true, though, because, you know, Juju can play inside and out, so I think he'll get moved around and he'll get some good matchups. So I still think he'll be productive. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, Pittsburgh's offense isn't going to fall off a cliff. They've still got a great offensive line, they've still got 
James Conner, who's going to be good. They've, they've, they're probably the best team in the whole league for breeding wide receivers. So James Washington will probably be, uh, you know, a good pick uh, late on in the drafts. And he'll probably be, you know, productive in the offence and he'll take some attention away from, from Smith-Schuster as well. Mm. So, yeah, I think he's he's, he's a great uh, candidate. I, exactly why I had him and so did you. Mm. Yeah, another couple of names I've got. DJ Moore, I think, will be one that goes up a tiny little bit this season. Uh, depends on, obviously, what happens there on the offense but they had dedicated plays for him last season uh took a yeah he did have some quiet weeks but i think now it's the second season step up syndrome isn't it i think you start to see him uh, kind of kind of come to the fore maybe in that offense could be some you know they drafted him to be kind of be of a focal point Devin Funches is going out the door who knows what kind of uh, injury status Greg Olsen is going to be so it could be DJ Moore uh pretty much or Bush I know they've got Curtis Samuel and, and all the rest of them there but DJ Moore could be the number one in that offense in terms of pass catching, so you could see him get a bit of hype train, uh, hype train action over the summer. And then the, finally, the other one, uh, this one's a kind of beware, Tyler Lockett. Now, I know he's introduced the show and we thank him for it, but um, he was a 12th round pick last season in, in, in drafts. At the moment, his current ADP is the fifth round, and this this has all the all the uh, hallmarks of a, a classic overreaction season. Um, wide receiver 12 in standard scoring. But if he, you know, he had ten touchdowns, nearly a thousand yards receiving. If you take away half of those those touchdowns, he goes from wide receiver twelve to wide receiver twenty four. So it just shows you it didn't didn't take much to to fall down that that far. And for someone that you know could be a wide receiver three, uh, you know, maybe even worse. I think that even that yardage might might even come down. And like I said, his connection with with, with Russell Wilson was was perfect in in terms of quarterback rating. So I I can't see that being sustainable as well. So I just think he's he's got all the uh, the tick boxes to say that he's going to regress, and he's a guy that I'm avoiding in the fifth round. Yeah, and like you said, really didn't you with Wilson and that perfect quarterback rating? Uh, that's not going to happen. That's just going to regress back to the mean. Um, if he does, then they're going to become one of the most potent draws in the league. But I just don't see it. No. Nope. Um, okay, so other things we can't see. These the running, what wide receivers you got uh, as uh, downward downward guys? Uh, so my uh, downward guy is Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. Um, once Freddie Kitchens came in, his numbers dropped quite a bit, actually. Uh, I don't think the offense suited him quite as much as he did under uh, Tyra Taylor and, uh, and Hugh Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Freddie Kitchen is going to open it up quite a bit. He's going to play to Baker Mayfield's strengths. And although Charles Sanders will be an important part of the offense, he'll still get his touches. Uh, I don't think it's going to suit him quite as much as, as the, the, the receptions and the yardage showed uh, from week, week eight last year. Uh, had a couple of good games, but, but not really anything to shout, you know, shout from the rooftops about. Um, and especially right at the beginning when Kitchens came in. His uh, yards per game were the first four games were 33, 32, uh, 42, and then he did have a 95 game after that, so he kind of worked out in the fourth game. Mm. But then back down again for another pretty barren three game stretch. Yeah. And, you know, he's not a great touchdown scorer either, so, you know, he never has been, so you can't even rely on that. Mm. Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, he was. Uh... Yeah, he was one I was in Minari and tossing and turning about over over the last off season. So yeah, no, I like that that, that call. The one I've gone for is Marquise Goodwin. He was the kind of he was the hype guy last season, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, sure. you know, supposed to be going into you know into number one role, 
Uh, it's going as high as the, as the fifth round, but ended up the wide receiver 78. Uh, I know he missed one or two <laughs> games, but there's only only two games in the whole season where he scored more than uh, more than 10 points. And half of his points um, for the fantasy, the whole season came in one game versus Green Bay, where he scored 25 odd points or something, something ridiculous. But, um, you know, there's other, other couple of bits in here. You know, do they bring in more wide receivers, you know, for the draft or Antonio Brown? But also you've got the uh, emergence of Dante Pettis and, and George Kittle. So, I, I just yeah, Marquis Goodwin's gonna gonna plummet and be uh, probably a nobody. I wouldn't even be surprised if he doesn't get drafted in in some leagues. But yeah, I don't I don't see much uh, much hope for Marquis Goodwin in uh, twenty nineteen. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You got the you know these high players. You got to choose sort of who you go for when when these these sort of players and these sort of rumors and yeah, that sort of hype gets going because a lot of the time it's just faceless, I guess. Yeah. Uh, one, one other name I want to put out there, Golden Tate, obviously, will probably be finding a new team in 2019. And quite a lot of people, obviously, in terms of in terms of drafting, it's all about recency bias, isn't it? Um, last season, obviously, didn't work out for him much in Philadelphia, and three, quarter of his, of, three quarters of his fantasy points last season uh, were with Detroit. Um, so it just shows you, know, they may forget that, that last half of the season and uh, maybe... You know, last season he, he was in the fifth round, which was the same time as, as Marvin Jones. So you, you're effectively picking Golden Tate or Marvin Jones in drafts. And I, I know for a fact that in some in some live drafts that I was doing, it was you know the wide receivers, the two next wide receivers in terms of ADP were Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. So um, you both got burned, no, no matter which one you picked. But um, yeah, I, I just think he could uh, he could slip to to a round where it's actually quite quite a bit of value personally. Uh, it depends on obviously where he goes, and I know it's hard when wide receivers join new teams uh, to to hit the ground running. And obviously, age isn't on his side as well. But Golden Tate, there, another name that I just wanted to point out. Let's move on to a tight end then, Lee. Um, do you want to start off? Yeah, I'll start off. I'll start at the top. Um, Ryan's obviously pretty obvious one. George Kittle. Yeah, he's obviously an elite tight end now. Um, we sort of were talking about him twelve months ago. Was sort of a guy that's kind of bubbling under the surface and we kind of think it's going to burst into the scene and, and he did <laughs> in a big way uh, and obviously he'll be drafted accordingly he'll be going very very early on yeah uh, him and Char- Charis Kelsey are essentially big wide receivers aren't they and they they play like them get touchdowns like them get yards like them so yeah he's going to go really really high mm. yeah no I certainly agree you know second second third rounds uh, for their for Georgie Kill another one I've got Eric Ebron is again tight end four last season he's going to be another one a classic maybe overreaction on you know he's, he's always had the potential isn't he Eric Ebron even his, his Detroit days but finally fulfilling his promise there in Indianapolis last season now he could quite easily repeat and but the prices that he's going at anyway, he's a 13th round pick last season um, but just not not for me this season uh, I just think again Jack Doyle was there as well I know he's, had, he's got a few injury niggles uh, as well but yeah Eric Ebron uh, is, is a guy that I'm just going to try and find his price now uh, Eric Ebron fifth round at the moment um, I'll say no thank you on that yeah no he's, you know he had a great season he'll probably be, still be a good weapon because obviously the way he's been used in Indy but to have that kind of season again is it's probably quite difficult mm. Yeah, and on the downward trend, I've gone for uh, Trey Burton, and I've got here Trey Burton, more like t- uh, Tim Burton, the nightmare nightmare before the draft. <laughs> yeah, I tried Trey Burton as well. Obviously, this is one where we sort of got burden fingers in capital letters, probably for the pair of us. Uh, he's no longer flavour of the month, and I think his draft position will therefore regress back to mean quite quite severely. Yeah, Trey, I've got Trey Burton hands here. Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> it even, it even rhymes. Yeah, obviously, he was a big... 
big money move over to Chicago over from the Philadelphia Eagles obviously at the back of the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl as well and um, you couldn't have much more hype there's no more room in, on the hype train was there? No they, the only tickets were sold out months, months in advance Yeah absolutely and you probably get just as good a service on that train as well as you normally do on the ones you get to London and back <laughs> okay so that kind of wraps up then for the fantasy risers and fallers so i've got a couple of players whoa, here whoa, whoa, whoa. what about that what about kickers um no you can get out get out of here <laughs> get out of here yeah. uh, I, I, I nearly puked doing tight ends so um kickers kickers <laughs> kickers never had a chance but i've got a couple of a list of a couple of players here that uh maybe we can do maybe a bit of early buy buy and, and sell yeah sure so you've got Antonio Brown, late second? Uh, no, no, thank you. No. What about, uh, what about does uh, Will Filler in the fourth tickle your fancy? No, not at all. No. <laughs> He's another injury prone wide receiver who just runs go out, so no, thank you. How about James White in the same round? Yeah, yeah, I like James White, a big fan. Uh, I'm a dynasty owner as well, so I've got to kind of jump on that hype train. Oh, yeah, I sold, I sold him to you, didn't I? Yeah, I think you did, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I think that that might be uh, the, the subject of a few match bets next season. Okay, mm. yeah, fair enough. Uh, Darius, oh, yeah. Darius, Darius Geis, late second? Yeah, all of that. Uh, yeah, I think he'll come back in a big way, actually. I think, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, let me just tell you a quick story, actually, just before we move on. I was talking about our Dynasty League. Um, I was sending all kinds of offers to Darius Geis, trying to get him on my team. Um, yeah, like two first-round picks and stuff like that. I think he's going to be... Uh, good, really good, really good uh, running back next year. I think we're right near the top. Uh, Jay Gruden, good schema, good, does a lot of good things for running backs. So yeah, no good, good. Uh, I'm, I'm all over that. Ooh, late second round, a bit, bit too pricey for my pocket. Uh, and then we're going, we're like, we're round it off. Philip Lindsay, late third. Oh well, uh, can I add that I didn't get Darius guys for those picks either. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully that doesn't come in after all. Hmm. Uh, Philip Lindsay for what? Sorry. L- uh, Philip Lindsay, late third. Yeah, yeah, I think he's here to stay. Not for me, I don't think so. I think he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna burn a few fingers next season as well. And also, if you're offering me two first for Darius Geis, I'll take that all day long. Thank you very uh, much. Despite the running back class, maybe this year not being the greatest, but we'll get onto that in a minute because it's time for everyone's favourite segment of the week: the fourteen questions. Full 10 questions time here on the Full 10 Yards podcast and today's contestant is Duncan Smallman from the Gridiron Gents uh, serving up the NFL with chips and mushy peas. Uh, I'm more of chips and curry sauce myself but each to their own. Duncan, welcome you. Thanks Tim, it's great to be on uh, and attempting to represent the Gents. Uh, they take things very seriously at Gents Manor so if I'm too much of an embarrassment it's going to be my turn in the cellar this season I yeah. think. <laughs> Well, hopefully, hopefully you get a couple right, and uh, you won't, they won't give you your, your marching orders when you return back to the podcast. But uh, yeah. we we no. shall we shall see. Um, as okay. everyone as everyone is familiar with, ten questions, no time limit. But if you're taking a bit too long on one, we shall move you on. And unfortunately, we have to accept your first answer. Duncan, are you ready? <laughs> no, but let's just do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question one: Where do the Kansas City Chiefs play their NFL home games? Uh, that's. A- very good question. <laughs> oh, uh, Arrowhead okay. Stadium. Question two. Who is the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? Um, what's his name? Kitchens. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> Freddie Kitchens. Question three. What number does Keenan Allen wear? 
That's uh... Oh. Oops, sorry. <laughs> just realised I probably shouldn't swear on this. Uh, you must be the same as us. Um, oh, it'll be the same. Three. Thirteen. Two. Okay. Question four. Which player did San Francisco 49ers take in the first round of the 2018 draft? This is a tough one. Oh, Simon's going to kill me. No, I don't know. I can't think. Okay. What city is Super Bowl 54 being played in? <laughs> oh, mind blank. I'm doing really badly at these. Um, pick, a, pick a random city. No, I dare. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can't remember. I'm not going to pick a random city. I, okay. I, I bet it's Indianapolis in again. No, well, I can't be that. No, I can't remember. Question six. How many yards does an illegal contact penalty on the defence incur? Uh, illegal contact? Yep. Uh, oh, uh, 15. Uh, which team in the NFC South has a bird in their name? Atlanta Falcons. Question eight. Who scored the most touchdowns for the Seattle Seahawks in 2018? Uh, probably Russell Wilson. <laughs> um, apart from New England, who are the only other team to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl over the last five years? AFC in the last five years? Yeah. Oh, Denver Broncos. Okay, and finally, within 3,000 yards, how many regular season passing yards did Dallas quarterback Tony Romo amass in his whole career? Uh, within 3,000 yards, you say? Yeah, of his whole career, regular season passing yards. Oh, I don't I can't think of this. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know. Well, hold on, how many years did he do? I am going to say 33,000. Okay, let's have a look through those. You didn't do as bad as you may have thought. Kansas City uh, do, in fact, play their home games at Arrowhead Stadium, so that's one out of one. That's good. Uh, Freddie Kitchens uh, is the head coach of Cleveland Browns. We'll give you Keenan Allen 13. Uh, and it was Mike McGlinchey, uh, Mike McGlinchey who was the... Uh, the first round pick there for the San Francisco 49ers. I am kicking myself because I did bloody O-line last year and oh, I did know that. I knew it was McGlinchey, old man McGlinchey. <laughs> it's just he looks so old that he must have been playing in the league before he was actually drafted. Yes. I, I don't know. Anyway. He was catching you out with his face. Uh, Super Bowl 54 is playing uh, being played in Miami. Oh. Uh, five is five yards for an illegal contact. Uh, Atlanta Falcons was the NFC South Birds. Uh, it was Tyler Lockett who was the most touchdowns for the Seattle Seahawks in 2018. I think you may have uh, misconstrued the question a little bit and with, the, with the passing, but it's uh, receiving an all-rushing touchdown, so maybe my fault, but um, there we go. Tyler Lockett. Uh, Denver Broncos, you got correct. The only other team apart from New England who represented the AFC in the Super Bowl over the last five years. And well done on the Tony Romo one, 34,183. So you got in, in there as well. Not many people got that last question, so um, kudos to you, my friends. Uh, overall, you've got uh, six out of ten. So Woo! So not, That's not too bad. Yeah, exactly, there you go. More than, uh, you say you got the tough questions, so very, very good effort on there. But uh, Dun Duncan, thank you so much for, for joining us. No, Tim, it was, uh, it was a pleasure. No, thank you very much for inviting <laughs> me on, and uh, that was good fun. <laughs> was, I'm, I'm now off to go and, and bleep out your, your naughty word. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I should know better. No 
it's because of other podcasts where I'm allowed to swear on, so uh, I do apologise for that. No, we don't, we don't, we don't have that luxury over here. But uh, yeah, thanks. If you want to go and check out their podcast, is a uh, gridiron gentleman, like I say, serving up NFL with chips and mushy peas. If that's your thing, Duncan, we'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon, Tim. Thanks. Not a bad effort there. Great uh, answer at the end. Not many people get that question, Tim, right? So Duncan can hold his head up high. Um, always good to get a Tony Romo question on there as well. But Lee, uh, time to divulge uh, the the special guest for the uh, for the next segment of the podcast. Uh, do you want to spill the beans? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I had the, had the pleasure of uh, interviewing uh, Jeff Reinbold from Sky Sports. Uh, obviously, of Tiger Hamilton cat. Oh my God, messed that up. The Tiger Hamilton cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that right up. That's Hamilton staying in. Tiger cat fame as well. And um, this was something we did a couple of days ago. Uh, yeah, so just a just a little quick chat with Jeff. He was quite busy. I uh, didn't have too much time, but yeah, it was really nice. All the same for him to come on. And yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Actually, started off a little bit nervous, which people might be able to gauge <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, but no, I really enjoyed chatting with him, and yeah, hope people enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame really that you know, it had a little while to to get through some of the topics and say we'll, we'll get him back on for a dedicated uh, qu- uh, listener question Q&A. Um, so yeah, so we've got a couple of questions there. So unfortunately, we weren't able to get through those, which is a bit of a shame, but we'll have him back on, uh, no doubt. But yeah, really, uh, obviously, he was. He, were you surprised he was a Leeds fan or did you know? I kind of had an inkling and, and I, I, when I got him on, on the phone, I did actually kind of ask him about it to begin with. And he's just because he sort of tweets out every now and then about Leeds and I did ask him and he was yeah he told me a little story about how he uh, how he came to love Leeds and uh, yeah it was really nice actually and then he drops and drops it in at the end of the end of the uh, interview that people will, will hear in a minute uh, but yeah no it was really nice actually um, he was quite a good character hmm. and obviously nice to share that that bond Okay, so yeah, here is the uh, interview with Jeff Randall uh, talking to Lee at the weekend, and then we're on the other side. We'll be come, we'll come back and talk about the combine. Okay, we've got Jeff Reinbold actually from Sky um, and the Hamilton Tiger Cat special teams coach. Jeff, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Thank you for coming on with us uh, and taking time out of your schedule to come on with us. So, how about we just dive into it? Let's go. Let's go. So obviously you, you spend time over here in London um, sort of doing the Sky business and, and sort of doing their coverage. What's your sort of opinion, obviously, it comes up every year about there being a London franchise? I, I think it's going to be uh, an eventuality that's going to happen. I think it's going to happen sooner than later. I think it'll be a team that moves to London, doesn't, uh, not uh, expansion. I think there are a number of things that are on the you know, commissioner's list way ahead of expansion. I think the collective bargaining agreement's got to uh-huh. get ratified again. There's a number of things that they need to look at first before they start talking about expansion. But I do think that a team will choose to relocate. You know, London's done nothing. And I say London, I'm talking about the UK. Yeah. It's done nothing but, you know, pass every possible test that they've been given. And really, you got to understand this about the National Football League. It's a huge business. And they're not into they're not into making mistakes, and so they started this whole thing with one game, then two games, then three games, now four games, mm-hmm. and and I think at, at every hurdle that's been put in front of the people in the UK, whether that's the planning people at the NFL UK office or the fans in general in the UK, they passed with flying colors. The games are extremely yeah. well attended. It's, it's phenomenal environment, and I think that. You know, business is business, and you see an opportunity to have 
85,000 people in, in the stadium or 45,000 people in the stadium, uh, obviously, you know, that's that's just a business decision. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, it's been really well attended. I'm, I'm a Chargers fan. I went to this year's Chargers game. Uh, and it was great atmosphere. They all, you know, they always are. Uh, is what I've heard from everyone. Um, so obviously, with it possibly moving over here, when do you reckon that would happen? If it, if it did. Well, I think it could happen as soon as two within the next two years. I think oh, wow. okay. I was really, I was really kind of disappointed that I thought the Raiders would be a perfect test balloon. You know, an opportunity for a team to come over and play a whole season over here. Um, obviously, that didn't happen because they renegotiated their lease with uh, yeah. with the stadium in Oakland again, uh-huh. but I, I think that that would have been really fun to watch, and I think people would have seen that, that the, the passion of the UK fans, the knowledge of the UK fans, it's all there now, and now it just, it just comes down to somebody making the decision to make London their home, and mm. you know, think, of, think about if you're Jacksonville, you've been on the ground here for two or three years, four years, I think, with you know people here 24-7, 365, and you've got a presence in the community, and you know again you're struggling in your stadium to fill. You got a good football team, or uh-huh. should have a good yeah, football yeah. team, and you're and you're struggling to put people in the seats. Well, here, here's the perfect opportunity for you. Mm. Yeah, maybe I think it could happen. I think it's got a whole bunch of problems that it might occur. But obviously, if you don't try, you don't you don't ever know. I guess. Um, so yeah, we'll see on that one. I guess. So yeah. I think I think all of the things that we've heard, you know, all the from the very start, you know, they, they talked about, well, the fans didn't understand the game enough. It's just a kind of a one-off, like the circus comes to town. And, you know, they, we've passed all of that. Now it's, you know, they're talking about what about tax issues and some of those things. Mm. All that can get worked out. All of those things are things that can get done. And people say, well, we can't, you players won't want to play on a London team. Uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, that is the, you're talking about, okay, I got, I, here's your choice. You can make a million dollars playing for the London, whatever they're called, or you can decide not to play and make no dollars. You tell me how many guys <laughs> to make no dollars. So don't even bring that argument to me. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's pretty uh, obvious equation to work out that one, isn't it? And obviously we, we've yeah. had, we have had players obviously from this country uh, with roots over here. You know, as recently as, as the past couple of seasons, obviously JHI, Beppe Abada, um, and they're obviously making, making waves in the league over there. What would you what would you sort of say what is the sort of pathway, you know, maybe when the UK franchise is over here this becomes a little bit easier, but what is the pathway kind of for a UK fan who might be listening to this podcast, a young guy, what's the pathway for him to make it in the league and sort of make it over there? Well, there's no real better time than today to for that to happen because with the success of Jack Crawford, Menwick Watson and mm-hmm. J and F. Obata and all the kids who've done done it all the way back to Scott McCready, mm. you know, uh, I think People recognize that there is a tremendous talent vein in Europe, in the United, in the United Kingdom that you know they need to mine. I, for the first time now, you're seeing universities coming to Europe and spending dollars and and time recruiting in Europe because if you're you know if you're for example the University of Wyoming where you have less than a million people in your state sure. and you and you got a you, you got a tough recruiting job. Why not come and recruit in the UK where really you're not recruiting against anybody? And there are kids. You look at those guys that we just talked about. Every single one of those guys was, you know, not like started at Florida State. Uh-huh. They played at Boise State. I mean, those guys played high-level college. Yeah, sure. They can, sure. They can do it. Now, the NFL is interested in, you know, this is kind of an interesting deal to me because we had a program going, the, the International Player 
which I was a part of. Mm. And, you know, we're successful. We have 24 guys on, on, on NFL practice rosters. Sebastian Bolmer came through that program. You know, he's won two Super Bowls or three Super Bowls, I think, with the, uh-huh. the uh, uh-huh. Patriots and was, you know, was one of the offensive tackles that protected Brady on those great teams. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's been, it's happened. Now the NFL is interested again in, in reopening the program. So they're starting a pathway program. I think there's going to be a, an academy actually in London uh, for the best players in the UK, give them an opportunity to play against higher level competition. Uh, there are more and more opportunities available in U.S. college football for kids. The thing is, you just got to get started. You got to start to play the game, mm-hmm. be involved in your local club, and then you know there's so much information on the internet now that wasn't there 15 years ago that a kid really who really wants to can, I think, in a lot of cases, if he has the physical ability, there's nothing stopping him now from having that opportunity to play college football. And then it's tough to make it in the NFL for anybody, but certainly sure. you, you got you got to play college football first before that that dream can come true. Yeah, of course, and that pipeline is obviously is more open nowadays, isn't it? And that's that's the, like I say the first step. Maybe when I was a little bit younger, um, you know, that wasn't open as much. But yeah, definitely for now. So if anyone's out there listening, uh, there there you go. There's your way in if you if you fancy sort of giving it a go yeah. and and get your scholarship and go over there. You know, and the thing about it is that the amateur game is so much better in, in the UK than it's ever been. You know, the universities are playing now, mm-hmm. and some of those some of those schools are playing high level, you know, university football. I I think. The thing that has changed the most is when we first came to Europe, there was no weight room culture at all in the UK. As a matter of fact, kids below 18, I don't even think they could go in the weight room. I mean, and and so they were so far behind physically their U.S. counterparts that it was difficult for them to make up the ground. Now you see kids involved in weight programs much earlier in their lives, much earlier in their careers. Yeah. yeah. And and I think I think that you know. We've come a long, long, long way in terms of, you know, allowing players to develop earlier and, you know, better coaching, better equipment, better, you know, better everything. Yeah, no, sure, definitely. And obviously you're a big part of that. Obviously you're still coaching at the moment over in Canada, aren't you? Um, mm-hmm. You know, how, how did you sort of get into that and get over in kind of, you've been coached all your life? Is, is it something that you've always done? How did you get into special teams as well? Well, when, when I got done playing my college coach said to me what are you going to do after this is over and I didn't even really think that it would you know I mean like I was just a clueless young kid because it gave me an opportunity to play football and you think it's never going to end well it does end for yeah. everybody at some point and so he told me he said Jeff you should go into coaching and you know I, I remember calling my dad that <laughs> night saying dad I think I think I know what I want to do and he was just happy that I I think I could have told him I was going to be a farmer and he had been happy, but he said, <laughs> I had some direction in my life. And, and I told him that he had been a professional baseball coach for 30 years. So there was oh, so there's a bit of a succession there. Silence, some silence on the phone. And then he came back at me with, well, you got to understand, son, that you know, it's not a job you can do halfway. You either got to love it or you don't do it. It's no money. It's, it's unstable. <laughs> there's tough on family. But he was just trying to be a good dad. Sure. And, you know, make sure that it was something I really wanted to do, and I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity, and had really, really uh, tremendous amount of people in my corner throughout my career that really helped me. So it's been, gosh, over 30 years now that uh, been involved in professional football, and it's it's been a lot of fun. 
Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Yeah, like you say, your dad was kind of just looking out for you, telling you the, the sort of pitfall potentially that could come up. So why um, why was it special teams for you, or is that just something that you've always been good at as well? well to be honest with you, um, I, <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. I It was my only way to get to professional football. I was coaching at the University of New Mexico. I was uh-huh. an outside linebacker coach at the University of New Mexico in 1991, and... Um, I got a call from a guy uh, who was on our staff who was who had coached professionally before, and he was being interviewed for a defense coordinator job. And while he was there, the head coach said, you know, I'm looking for a young special teams guy uh, that isn't going to cost me a lot of money. And, you know, <laughs> and so my friend called me and he said, you should, you know, are you interested in this? I said, I said, Greg, I've never coach special teams one down in my life he said don't worry just get the job just kind of wing so, it yeah yeah well I, I went through the interview process and, and then the head, the head guy said you know you got the job and then I, I was in panic mode because <laughs> I had I'd never coached a down special team so I called Dick Vermeule who's always been really really good to me in my career and he was the first special teams coach in the National Football League and he he really coached me up and you know got me started and so it's it's been you know it's been a real real fun ride sounds great no it sounds brilliant um you know you just kind of go through like winging it i guess sometimes i think we're all doing that a little bit i think i feel like that myself sometimes to be honest with you well yeah i think sometimes you got to take a chance you got to take a risk and you got to put yourself out there a little bit and, you know i it could have all blown up in my, my face but luckily it didn't and you know i was like I said, I, from Coach Vermeil through, you know, uh, all kinds of guys, you know, Buddy Ryan, Jack Jack Bicknell, mm-hmm. Mouse Davis, June Jones. I mean, I just had so many really, really good people be in my corner that it's it's been, you know, it's been a. Uh, I can't even describe it to you how much fun I've had over this, over these years. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, Jeff. Um, so let's move on to the team that you mentioned a moment ago, the team that you kind of root for, the Oakland Raiders, or soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, obviously, they've, they've got to control the draft, haven't they, Jeff? Uh, you know, in the first round, at least, they've got the picks. They've got three picks, four, 24, 27. What direction do you think they're going to go in the draft? Uh, who, who are we looking at? Um, and, yeah, maybe put your marker down. Well, you know, it's interesting how this is going to play out now. You know, the Raiders were... It's a little hard for me to say some of this, but... The Raiders were really in a dysfunctional state last uh-huh. year. They, yeah. you know, they had, they went out and, and hired John, and, and uh, with that hundred million dollar contract and ten years of you know contract length, mm. he had all the juice. And Reggie McKenzie, the general manager, was really kind of you know he was in a really difficult position. And so what ended up happening with the Raiders last year, they basically had two different personnel staffs. They had Gruden had his guys and, and Reggie had his guys and there were constant there was constant struggle back and forth about which direction they wanted to go. I think this will be positive in that now there's one direction. There's Mike Mayock and there's, yeah. and there's John Gruden and they're gonna be in lockstep. I think this will be fun to watch Mayock do this. You know, Mike has On really the side created, of the table. He, he created his own position really as a as a draft guru. He yeah. played in the league a little bit, played at Boston College, his dad was a high school Philadelphia and just he's a football junk and yeah and that's the same way John is it's interesting I, I went to high school with John and oh, wow. uh, and uh, he Johnny's always been that same guy he's always been very intense 
mm-hmm. very intelligent. Uh, he's very determined. He's got a lot of confidence in his ability. And I think that this will be a positive step for him now. You talk about three first-round draft choices. With, with as many needs as the Raiders have, I would be shocked if they use all three. I would think one or two of those they'll trade down to get more picks. Uh-huh. Like give up give up your second or third first rounder to get multiple second and third, maybe even fourth round picks. Sure. Because you just have too many holes to fill. And you can't three guys, even if you hit on all three, you're you're gonna improve your team, but you're not gonna improve it as much as they need to improve it. They gotta get an offensive line. They don't have very much right now their defense was terrible. Yeah, I mean, sure. Thirtieth last in the league and couldn't get to the passer. Arden Key, that young kid they drafted last year, mm-hmm. showed flashes, but he's got to get bigger and stronger. Um, you know, they've got one of my ex-players starting at safety for him right now, Eric Harrison. You know, Eric's a good football player, but you know, again, they're just multiple, multiple holes on that football team, and it's going to take them a draft and a good free agency. Now, the good thing is they got a lot of free agent money. Yeah, and, sure. You know, the Las Vegas will be an attractive place for for guys to play in that beautiful new stadium mm-hmm. and, you know, all, all of the things that Vegas brings. So I think the Raiders are headed in the right direction. It's just they had to really bottom out to, to uh, you know, to get straightened out. And that's what I think we're going to see in this next couple of years. Okay, interesting. Yeah, Arden Key had a bit of weight weight issue in college, didn't he? So maybe, you know, once he gets that sorted out, uh, maybe, like you say, you can pair him with someone else coming off the edge and then, yeah, like you say, move. Maybe move around, do some business, and, and just improve the team. Just want to come on yeah. to the free agency, as you mentioned. What what sort of areas are we looking at in free agency for the Raiders? Well, I think the thing about free agency, and what everybody has to understand about free agency, is you're going to overpay for everybody. Sure, especially um, when you've got money. The, that the nature of the business is, you know, that, and that, that's why the players want free agency because it is an opportunity for them to get, you know, get their money uh-huh. now. What you have to understand is, you know, where are you going to go in long term? So if you're going to overpay for a guy, the guy you want to overpay for is a guy that's younger, yeah. a guy that is a great locker room guy, a guy that's a highly competitive guy. Yeah. You don't want to over you don't want to overpay for old guys, and you don't want to overpay for bad character guys because those are the guys that will kill you because the old the old guys will fall off the cliff. Yeah. Turn to use where they're, you know, they just can't play anymore, sure. and that hits that hits real fast sometimes. And then the the bad character guys will kill you because they'll do something that will cause you to lose them, and whether it's for six games, two games, or forever. Uh-huh. And you know they're they're disruptive in the locker room. John doesn't need any more distractions in the locker room. He needs guys that are in lockstep with what they want to build and what they want to do. And usually, younger players are easier to. To, you know, to bring in that yeah. way. Yeah. Now, if he can find an older guy out there that is that kind of guy, then uh, certainly they those are the guys they should pay for. But they've got to get their offensive line straightened out. I don't like that they drafted number one last year. Cole Miller. Uh, yeah. I just here's the reason I don't like him. I think he's a great athlete. Uh-huh. And all the he's got all the physical things that you look for, except for strength. I don't think he's as strong as. To be, but he can't anchor. He can't. He's not a physical guy. It's quite a problem a, for an offensive lineman. Yeah, well, it is. And you, you know, you watch. I saw a thing the other day that, that uh, Mike Mack was talking about him, and he's he's talking about a play that the kid.
Kansas City game. And, you know, Mike was saying, look at this great effort out of this kid. We're 20 points down, and he's still playing. All that is great. Hmm. But I, want, I don't want to see highlights of my left tackle chasing guys down the field and tackling them. I want to see highlights of my, my left tackle pancaking guys, yeah, yeah. guys off, keeping guys off my quarterback. Show me that, and then I'll be excited. So oh, cool. I think that, that that kid's – here's the problem with – when you take a guy like that, and this is we're in the comp, we're in combine week right now, so it's yeah. really good good topic to talk about. These these guys should fall in love with them because of what they do in their underwear. We don't play your game in your underwear. <laughs> you got helmets, pads on, yeah, yeah. And you know he could do all that stuff. He, he is a, he is a tremendous athlete, but it's hard to get a guy to be more physical. It's hard to take a guy who's not physical by nature who doesn't like to doesn't like the hitting part of the game, mm-hmm. and, and and teach him to do that on a consistent basis. Because when we get put in pressure, this is the human dynamics, we get put in pressure situations, whether it's mental pressure, physical pressure, or the pressure of a game, whatever, uh-huh. we, re- we revert back to what we are. Spine and flight, right? Not, yeah, if you're not physical by nature, well, that's why you see the kid get bull rushed as much as he gets bull rushed. Because here's what happens in pro football guys, when you can't do something, right, well, you're going to, then the, your opponent is going to do it to you every time yeah. until you show him that you can stop it. And, you know, that's what's happened to him. He just he just constantly gets bull rushed all the time. It's like Eric Fisher. When, when Fisher came into the league with Kansas City, it was the same story. And mm. he's much the same guy. Now, he's, he's gotten a little bit better, but he's still not a physical, you know, offensive lineman. Sure. So let's move on. Let's move on just before we uh, we sort of part ways here, because I know you're really busy. Uh, let's move from pass protectors to the passer. Uh, we've got Derek Carr obviously in Oakland. What's going on with him? Did John and him get on? Are they are they a marriage made in heaven? Or are they going to part ways? What's going to happen? Well, I think it's it's interesting to watch. You know, uh, I, 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 maybe the hardest guy that ever in the world stumped at a at, at a statistical uh, question. Is my partner Neil Reynolds? And uh-huh. I said to Neil the other, I said to Neil the other day, did you know that that uh, Derek Carr passed for more yards last year than he had in any of his previous career years? And Neil was like, no way. And I said, yep, it's the first year he ever passed for over four thousand yards. Well, we all think he had a terrible year, and by a lot of measuring measuring tools, he did. Hmm. But he did pass for over four thousand yards last year. Now. What's not good is the fact that he was 19 and 17, I believe, on his touchdown to interception ratio. Sure. That's way, 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 way too much. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely. Sure. He needs, he, the kid needs help because what I saw on film was a guy who was not panicked, but the guys get hit way, way, way too many times. His, his receivers can't win one on one, so everybody's just climbing up on him. And, and uh, Jerry Cook is his best. You know, weapon that he has. Mm. They don't. They don't have an effective running game to take the pressure off of. The defense is terrible, so they're always playing from behind, and it's a it's a recipe for disaster for a quarterback. You know, the thing that concerns me about everybody talks about Carr and John. I'm more worried about Carr and his offensive lineman because okay. if if Derek, if you remember Derek's older brother David, uh-huh. first yeah. player picked in the draft, and went into a bad Texans team and just got killed. Right? I mean, just abused for three yeah. seasons <laughs> and, and was never the same as a player. Mm. The rest of his career, he was a backup. Well, I'm not sure. I'm 
not saying that's going to happen to Derek, but I know this. You hit a quarterback enough, they all get gun shy. Mm, yeah, so, for sure. So they've got to figure out a way to protect him, get him some easier throws, get the ball out of his hands faster, and you know, not not you know, have him in those seven step drops that, that get him hit. Mm. How about giving him some weapons as well? How about DK Metcalf at four? Obviously, we've seen him destroy the combine yesterday. How about that? Well, I think that's the guy that's certainly going to jump up way up. I mean, way way up in everybody's ideas of what you know they're going to do with the first round because when you can do the things physically that that kid can do mm. at the size he is, you're going to see everybody's going to say, "Wow!" Now, again, young receivers have a chance, although the game is much much, much, much different in pro football than it is in college football. One of the things that, you know, we in pro coaching, you know, look at and shake our heads is just how simple most college offenses have become. Like, you know, you looked at Baylor a couple of years ago when, when RG3 was there and they won a national championship. Yeah. Their, their receivers basically ran three routes. They ran the hitch, they ran the slant, and they ran the go. Uh-huh. So there was, I mean, they're just not polished. They don't come to you with a, a lot of knowledge about coverage, sure. about how to adjust routes versus this, how to beat press coverage, all that stuff, because they don't see it. Mm. So you got to make sure that you're, you're going to take a guy, a receiver, in the first round. you got to be sure that he's a guy that can handle that adjustment, and it's a tough adjustment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Ole Miss offense from last year ran about 25 plays, right? Yeah, and you know, it's, it's, it, and everybody's into the, you know, the spread thing and the RPO thing and all that. Well, and that's all good, right? And college coaches, their job is not to develop pro football players. No. <laughs> but the reality of it is, and this is where it's so tough for us now, is these kids are coming to us much less developed, mm. much less much less finished technically, much less finished in terms of their football IQ, their knowledge of the game. As a matter of fact, I talked to an offensive line coach from the NFL uh, last year at the Super Bowl, and, and I asked him that, that question. I said, how, do you, how, how are you doing with finding kids? And he said, Jeff, let me tell you something. I, if, I, if I can find a kid from Michigan or Notre Dame or Stanford, he said, places where they still play a little bit of power football, mm-hmm. and on the ground and block somebody. Yeah. Then I always give those guys the benefit over a guy who's played in a spread offense because he said, "You tell me, how am I going to get a kid who, for five years in college, never put his hand on the ground to understand how to come off the ball and roll into a guy and you know, block the first level into the second level because they just don't do that yeah. as college players. So it's a it's a developmental process and it's a it's a that's where the combine is scary. Because you can get enamored with the guy's physical abilities based upon the test. And just remember now, every one of these guys goes away as soon as their college season's over and starts preparing for the combine because yeah. they know yeah. how valuable it is in terms of their development or in their evaluation. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it's definitely got its, uh, its pitfalls, hasn't it? Um, you know, we'll see. We've seen plenty of players sort of taken early, or earlier than they should be, based on on combine numbers, and then fall flat in the face when they get into the league. So yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully yeah. your your team won't, won't sort of uh, fall into that trap. Yeah, well, again, it's easy easy trap fall into. I mean, remember, remember two years ago when John Ross ran that incredible uh-huh. time. Everybody, everybody, including the Cincinnati Bengals, fell in love with him. Yeah. 
here we are two two years later, and they're just trying to trade him and get so. something back for him because he hasn't been able to make that transition. You know, this here's the thing: the forty yard dash may be the most overrated physical <laughs> physical measurement that that's around sports because a guy just doesn't do that. I mean, first of all, he starts from a stance that he's never going to start from as a player. He runs straight ahead. I mean, this is a this is a change of direction game. It's sure. not a linear game. If it was a linear game, we'd just go to the Olympics and draft <laughs> you know, every guy that runs in the four by one hundred. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, for sure. All right, Jeff. Um, obviously, I think you're quite a busy man, aren't you? I think uh, you know we're just going to wrap this up. Um, just going to put you on the spot really briefly. Um, what do you reckon for the Oakland season next year? I'm going to put you on the spot and ask for a record prediction. For the race? For the the Raiders, yeah. I think I think the Raiders have a chance to win six to eight games next year. I don't see more than eight. I don't I don't just don't know if they're going to be able to fill enough of those holes. They got to keep Carr healthy to win six. Sure. If Carr gets hurt. It's going to be really, really tough. But I also think that they're good enough to win. Hey, they just got to find a way to play with defense because, you know, their defense, like I said, they, they've got some real work to do, in there, particularly in that front seven. Hmm. As long as none of those six to eight wins come against my charges, I'll be a happy man, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell you something. You know, the best thing about the charges, they have the second best uniform in football. Because oh. when, they put on, when they put on those powder clothes, they are absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful, right? Absolutely gorgeous. Yep. Only team better, Leeds United. Aha, uh-huh, yes, I think we can agree on that one. Yeah, we were having a chat <laughs> earlier on. We share that, we share that love. <laughs> All right. All right, Jeff. No, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's been really fun. Uh, I wish we could have stayed on for a bit longer and uh, sort of got into it. I feel like I could chat about football with you for a long time. Well, let's do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. Okay, we book that in. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, Jeff. Thank you very much for coming on again. See you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Hello. So there you have it. Interesting stuff there with Jeff. Uh, was was good to chat to you, Lee. Did you, did you enjoy that? Yeah, I really did, actually. Um, like I said, uh, good to sort of just talk football with him. I feel like I could have talked uh, football with him quite a while, actually. He was really easy to talk to and very knowledgeable as well, which obviously everyone will probably know. Uh, yes, yeah, so yeah, very much enjoyed it. would like to get him back on for mm. both of us. Yeah. So you can enjoy it as well. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but let's move on to the final part of the podcast then, and say once again, uh, real, real, real big thanks to Jeff for for coming on and uh, bestowing his knowledge upon us. Um, mm. Before we finish off here, Lee, obviously it was the combine at the weekend. I say you mentioned it to Jeff and had a bit of, of chat there as well. But I just wanted to get your opinion on some obviously some big winners and, and losers of the combine because obviously you dropped your your mock draft as well today. Yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, slightly later than I had planned, but yeah, it got out. Um, yeah, just sort of next one in the series. Uh, obviously, each milestone has ticked off the combine was the next one. And, and yeah, just sort of was able to include a few of my reactions in that and include a few new players that I thought had really good combines and, and just cement a few guys really high up my sort of draft order that I think will go really high because they've shown up both on tape and now in, in the athletics I've seen that they're great players and good prospects. Yeah, absolutely. I'm starting to to come. You know, my my eyes are starting to turn towards doing one as well, and looking at some like some needs and some players. Obviously, the draft stock has, has risen and fallen over the weekend. Let's let's start with the winners, Lee. Um, I've got a few down. I, I didn't, re- you know, to, to be honest, I didn't really watch too much of the combine. I've just been looking at what other people, uh, some other podcasts and some other uh, articles that have been going around. A um, couple of names I've got down here. Obviously, DK Metcalf uh, or Pringles. 
Mr. Pringles, yeah. as we like to call him, and that's going to stick. I don't care what uh, everyone else on Twitter says, despite being uh, shut down on that, but never mind. Uh, obviously, a decent 40-yard dash, but had a poor free cone, but uh, I think it's fair to say that DK Metcalf kind of took over the combine a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was looking like something that was going to rival, rival Calvin Johnson's uh, unbelievable combine a good few years ago now. Mm. Uh, but no, yeah, like you say, killed the killed the uh, most of the tests apart from yeah the agilities, which weren't great uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And I think there's been a bit of overreaction to that. But I think it's kind of the, the sort of like the two extremes and the extremes of social media that you get. You get the people who, you know, are falling over themselves because he he killed most of the other tests. But then people that are totally against him now and think he's going to be terrible because he. You know, had a bad, terrible free throw, yeah. which he did. But you know, if you watch the tape, uh, see him how he's actually playing. Because that's one thing, as Jeff said, a lot of these, uh, you know, things that are overrated because no one plays football in underwear. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I, I, sometimes I do. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know about your Sunday morning activity. No, exactly. Um, moving, moving swiftly on. A couple of names I've got here as winners. I've got uh, Alex Barnes, and obviously I just wanted to obviously shout out as well Paris Campbell, your one of your mm. tips to, to run a run a fast forty, which he did as well, and also just at the tight end, Noah Fant seems to be uh, picking up more fans that I didn't think was possible. Yeah, Noah Fant was very good. Uh, caught the ball with these, you know, athletically brilliant. Uh, obviously, it's sort of between him and TJ Hawkinson for the sort of number one, two tight ends. Yeah. Kind of been two camps there, but both great players. Um, yeah, Barnes did well. Obviously, a bit of an underrated, um, underrated player. Someone that's not sort of very high in everyone's mind, but kind of, kind of, kind of workout that sort of vaults people from being sort of on the fringes of being drafted to being a solid mid-round pick, yeah. if not, if not more. Um, I think a wide receiver by the name of Miles Boykin did that as well from Notre Dame. Yeah. He, Destroyed everything, and I mean everything, uh, even more than Beckham in some ways. Uh, and he, I think he made himself a, a day two pick, an early day two pick at that. Mm. Um, in the sort of cool lot of wide receivers, so that's what the combine's all about. You know, you you get into mock drafts, and I might have said this before, but you get into mock drafts and you're kind of reading and you're kind of writing them yourselves, and you kind of put the same people in the same place, but the combine really shakes things up. Yeah. And if I was to go further than writing just the first round, um, You've got a cluster of a lot of people in a lot of positions, really. Uh, and Boykin was one of the wide receivers in that sort of second tier below the first round, and he's really cemented himself as one of the, the top dogs now in that sort of second group. Mm. Um, you know, maybe talking about between six and ten in the whole class. Yeah, and of course with all these players like DJ, uh, DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry and you know Noah Fant, Alex Barnes and, and all the rest of it, it's all it's all going to depend on on landing spots, isn't it? As well, so well, un- until we kind of get an idea of who's going to go where, we can't really project kind of success or failure uh, in their in their first season, especially from a fantasy perspective as well. Considering this is a a fantasy episode, um, any 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 losers? I mean, the only losers I've got here are pretty much the you know. The people that were the high end of the the running back class, you know, Devin Singletary was the guy that I was looking forward to seeing. Um, you know, Montgomery was obviously was obviously another one as well, but uh, they didn't really do themselves justice. No, there's a few people. And can I just mention sort of one more sort of winner that I had? That yeah, I yeah. Um, Montez Sweat. Oh yeah. He ran faster forty time than Jalen Ramsey did. Yeah, yeah. In events, so that's obviously showing showing off his athleticism for sure. Yeah. Um, he's gone back into sort of my round one consideration now after sort of slipping away. Yeah. Um, but losers, talking about defensive ends and outside linebackers, uh, Ja'Kai Pillai from Florida, uh, he's kind of talked himself out of first-round contention almost literally. Um, you know, when he got interviewed at his podium, kind of just saying that all the teams ripped on him in interviews. <laughs> and it just comes off across as a bit mentally soft. It seems a bit like childish. Mm. 
No, yeah, you're not going to expect everyone to love you. You know, when you get these interviews, they're going to put you through your paces, put you through lots of mental sort of stress and strain. And him to sort of go back into a shell and just sort of start everyone just ripping on him. Yeah, like I say, it just comes across a bit mentally soft, and it's you know he didn't look good in, in, in his workouts either. So he was someone that I had sort of going. Uh, high teens, early twenties. Uh, you know, one of the first pass was off the board in that second group after Nick Bosa. Mm. Uh, but now, he's, he, well, if people go out and read my mark, I don't want to ruin it for everyone. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't in the first round for me, and mm. um, that could be a, a theme moving forward. Yeah, a faller indeed in keeping with the, the the theme of this podcast. But yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone get out there, go and check it out. So, was it mock draft? What number? What number are we at to now, Lee? One, one number four at the minute, uh, and then just a little teaser for everyone. I'll be doing a bit of an alternate one the weekend that will come out Saturday. That'll be number five. So you know, if you like this one, then hopefully it'll whet your appetite for another one coming very, very soon. So I've left quite a big gap between um, this one and the last one, uh, and that'll pick up pace, obviously, with different storylines that'll come out, and you know, obviously we'll have a few pro days and things like that. Mm. It'll become even further sort of mixed up uh, from all that because obviously people want to prove people wrong that have had a bad combine or reinforce what they've done with the combine to yeah. make an even better result. Can you introduce that article by saying, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, this is mock draft number five and then maybe start like a... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets past you in these sort of things, does it? No, no I, well, yeah, Excellent. there you go. Um, yeah and just some other bits before we close out on today's podcast over on in a slight bit but hey it's been good fun isn't it Um, yeah tomorrow it will be uh, we'll be having the Pittsburgh Steelers team article. I uh, hope you enjoyed that as well. On Monday, obviously, Lee dropped his uh, Baltimore Ravens article where we, we kind of, you know, where do they go from here? Kind of look at the franchise, you know, what they did last season, what the off-season off looks like, and my predictions for 2019 as well. So that's going to be Pittsburgh uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Thursday is going to be the Cleveland Browns. Friday going to be Cincinnati Bengals. But don't forget, obviously, all this week as well, like last week, uh, we're having the division uh, exit interview podcasts. Tomorrow is going to be the NFC South. So that's going to be Panthers, uh, Panthers, Falcons, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Saints as well. So watch out for that. And I say they'll be dropping every day this week as well. Uh, Monday was, of course, the NFC East, which I alluded to earlier in the podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed all of those. But yeah, spoiling, spoiling the listeners out there, Lee, with uh, all these podcasts and articles. Yeah, we're working hard at the moment, aren't we? All this content's coming out for everyone. Hopefully, yeah, they're appreciating it. Absolutely. And, yeah, no days no days off here. Loads of stuff to be getting on with over the next couple of weeks, uh, all leading up to the draft. So uh, you can look forward to that. Uh, next couple of podcasts, next couple of Tuesday podcasts, a couple of big guests uh, for you. We won't divulge who they are at the moment, but we're going to be going through the AFC and the NFC. We're going to go through one storyline for every team over the off-season or going into the 2019 season, 2019 season uh, as well. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Some good guests are lined up. So hopefully you can join us. But uh, in the meantime, Lee, uh, we'll, we'll podcast will be back tomorrow, but we'll be back on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, just uh, churning it all out. And we, but yeah, back back next week together to do another fun podcast with, with a special guest. Mm. Absolutely. Okay, so I hope that's that's going to wrap it up for today's podcast on the full 10 yards. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and tell all your friends as well. We'll have a we'll have a, a bit of a note on uh, some competitions coming up soon as well because uh, it's you know it is March and we need to get something going. But uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. Um, so in the meantime, it's goodbye from Lee. Yeah, goodbye everyone. Uh, see you on the other side. Hopefully, enjoying all the stuff we're putting out and get 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 uh, sort of liking, uh, retweeting, trying, following, and uh, yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. See you on the flip side. 
Yeah, and we appreciate every each and every one of your follows and likes and uh, comments as well. Always good to get a discussion. It's goodbye from me. So in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com